I'm Russ. And I'm Danny. And this is the Memory Makers Podcast. The show focused on helping you create amazing customer experiences and make more memories. Memory Makers Podcast. It's a throwback to my old school, high school, uh, XW wrestling, whatever group where I would take my show choir tux and do ringside announcements. Let's get ready to rumble action. <laughs> I love it. I was not expecting that, but that's fantastic. Yeah, I love those those guys with those big booming voices of just the byway of older Colorado. It's Danny Gruden. Like that, that's my energy just walking through the house. <laughs> you you need to what you need to do is hire a voiceover artist to record that for you and whenever you walk in a room just play it on your phone. Yeah, yeah, that's what I need is more attention. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, oh, Russ is here. Hey, how we doing? Oh my goodness. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm really good. 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 Anything fun and exciting that you've been up to recently? What's new in your world? Yeah, over this past weekend, we my wife and I and our dog went up into the mountains and did kind of a an autumnal fall photo shoot. Autumnal. Okay, that's yeah, I wanted to him. bust out the word autumnal because that that's a fun one and people don't say it very often. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I would have mispronounced it had I not heard it recently from you of autumnal. So I like that autumnal. Okay, that is a three dollar word that I'm going to be cashing in, friend. Uh, let's go with six dollar word. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Don't sell yourself short, baby. That's right. <laughs> Never sell yourself short. So That's yeah, right. that was a good time. Got some great photos of us as well as our dog, which was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, and you guys are getting into that a little bit more than recreationally with your with your photo shoots and and the whole bit. So I just, I mean, I love your entrepreneurial spirit, bringing bringing that stuff in, taking those hobbies and turning them into to revenue streams is never a bad way to go. So I like it. It works. Right on, man. Well, hey as we've been planning some of these episodes we've had some good ideas from previous ones that we wanted to circle back to and today is one of those um i think that one of the things that we've talked about in uh, amusement 360 sessions as well as the podcasts are new operators that are looking to go through a site selection process or existing operators who are looking to expand and trying to go through the pains of finding that location all over again that maybe it's been a minute how do we start to have a high-level tactical checklist of good food-for-thought items to make sure that we don't make silly mistakes or have nasty surprises more than what would be the norm for going through that process? Um, and so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about things like how to scope out the area, what are some of the... the um, what are good tools to use versus bad tools to use? What types of experts can you bring into the fold to make sure that um, that you're really not, you know, having kind of hidden stumbling points and things throughout it? Um, but also looking at, you know, what's under the hood of the building, so to speak, you know, things that we have to be aware of from a structural standpoint, as well as some landlord uh, points to, to go through as well. So this is by no means a deep dive down each of those, but it serves as a really good framework that we've seen people be successful with of 
okay, here's what I need to be cognizant of. And here are the people that I need to be bringing to the table to go further down the expertise route of that. And that way we can uh, ensure that we're finding a location that doesn't, you know, isn't a money pit um, from the old Tom Hanks, you know, movie back in the, in the eighties. We just, how do we avoid or mitigate those opportunities as much as possible? So Danny, why don't you start us off in talking a little bit of when we're just trying to scope out an area, let alone the building, but we're targeting different geographic rings or, um, or, or zip codes, whatever it is, how do we start that process? Cause it's always easier to start big and then narrow down in. Sure. So when, when we think about kind of the area you want to be in very often, there's a, people use the term of a, you know, a radius study of looking at maybe it's three, five, seven, ten 10 miles of a radius of a given kind of neighborhood or area. And what are the demographics of that? And uh, how many, uh, how many people live in that ring and all those kinds of things. But that misses out on the fact that no city is set up to be in a perfect circle of the way that people move throughout those cities and towns and the way that they perceive the area. And thinking about it more of an amoeba-shaped study instead of a radial study. Because when you get into an area, you start to understand, oh, yeah, that may only be two miles away, but there's this psychological barrier that people who live there, well, we don't drive across that bridge, or we don't cross this river, or we never head to that part of town. It's just part of the way that people kind of move and clump and how they spend their time. Because there's a lot of those perceived kind of barriers that that happen in any given market. And so understanding that is really important because in a radial study, there could be a whole set of the population that's included in that. But realistically, when you understand that, well, people aren't going to cross the bridge, it actually eliminates all of those people as potential guests. And it's not going to be 100% of them. But when we can use those kind of um, metrics of most people don't do that, it helps us understand who's the real market that we can bring through the doors based upon what the look of that area is. Yeah, I think it's an important part of just dealing with reality on reality's terms. Like you can have a feasibility study done and it's like, oh, there's 800,000 people within a, you know, 25 minute drive of my um, of my location that I'm potentially looking at. But if they're not actually doing that as rubber hits the road, then that's that's skewed and it's just setting us up for failure from a very early jump point. And when you start looking at some of the individual locations, you can use sites like LoopNet to understand what's available, whether it's going to be for sale or for lease, right? And when you start getting to those sites, number one, understand what is it zoned for? Because if it's not zoned for 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 an entertainment venue, every municipality and city is going to do it slightly different in their terminology. But if it's zoned for something and you're going to have to get it rezoned, that takes a lot of time and effort, and that wait could be quite long. So that's a factor that you need to consider. And it's not just about looking at any of these things on paper and looking at a map and and kind of doing an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet of all the different characteristics. It's also get in the car and drive there because mm. you're going to learn a couple different things. One, how hard or easy is it to get to that location from the main roads, the main thoroughfares, the highways, the interstates, whatever that is, how easy is it to get there? How easy is it to find? What is the general vibe of the area? Is there a lot of uh, retail in that environment? Are there a lot of people coming and going? Or is it more of a industrial warehouse type of area? Is there you know, overgrown um, lawns 
and weeds and parking lots and is there graffiti all these things are going to be important because if that is the general vibe of the area it's going to impact the way that families are going to want to travel or not want to travel to that particular location mm -hmm. and then while you're doing that drive you may come across additional psychological barriers that maybe don't show up in a map and understanding oh wow in order to get there i have to do this thing but most people aren't going to do that i got to cross this bridge or go over this section and it's important to get kind of boots on the ground, so to speak, and be able to get yourself in that area to look around and understand what is in in the area, what it feels like. And if there are other complementary type businesses in the area that will that will help bring a lot of traffic to that venue. Big time. I think that the you know, there's and it's, it's never going to be perfect, right? Everything's going to have its pros and cons that come along with it. It's just looking at, OK, if I'm going after really high end, you know, business, you know, and corporate kinds of, of entities, it may make sense for me to be more off of the beaten path outside of a shopping center because I'm closer to those business complexes may just have a little bit of a different vibe of what my, you know, what my drive and approach looks like where you're in the midst of a lot of Amazon warehouses or something else. But again, if that's, if your primary demographic is going after that corporate group instead of mixed age family groups and social time, like that, that's okay. Um, and it really comes into, I don't know, you, you, you just, you may find a place that's going to be, hey, it's run down and it's, it's early in, in this kind of rebuild and recovery area. So we're going to get better rates because the landlords are more willing to, to put in tenant improvements and things like that because they're trying to get all of that done. So you may see something that has a lot of future potential with it. Know that that's going to be some upstart obstacles that you deal with on the front end, but you know, more will come with it beyond and you're getting some cost incentives and stuff to do it. So just know that there are trade-offs with both of those of, you know, where and how you can get some of that to offer offset each other. And once you're actually at the site, it's then looking at, you know, what's the age and condition of those buildings? Because as, as most of us have been through, whether it's buying a house or leasing a house or, you know, any of those things, there's, it's what, who was the person that was in this space before? How well were they taking care of it? How often is the landlord having certain things serviced? And so it's really important to take a look at, um, do a MEPS survey, M-E-P-S, for mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and structural. And so the mechanical is your HVAC and, and those kind of main systems, like is it in working condition? When was it last serviced? How much use was it? To your point, Danny, on the zoning, if it, this was zoned for something else, but we're using it in a very different way, do we need to have more returns? If we're adding something in like laser tag, do we have to add in a shunt to keep fog from getting spilled out into the rest of the space? What are some of those things going to look like? Um, you know, and is that something that I as a tenant are, am going to have to take on? Or is that something that's up for the table for a tenant improvement negotiations with your landlord? Um, and, and for electrical and plumbing, same things. What is the current working condition when was it last serviced and how much use has it had? And if your landlord can't provide or your potential landlord and your, your real estate agent can't get that those pieces of information, a simple inspection that you do may not get you all of that stuff. And so it may be a little bit of a red flag um, that you want to get a really good um, handle on and then either have some protective language with your with your agreement of, hey, if this is discovered, then this is going to be subject to this person's responsibility. Um, but so your mechanical, your electrical, 
if you may be putting in a you know how much how many more electrical drops are we going to have to put in for our arcade alone how you know do we have is there is there is the circuit breaker big enough to handle everything that we need what's that upgrade going to need to look like to handle everything that we're bringing into these walls plumbing is a huge one not only just from Hey, this was a retail store. It was an old Toys R Us location. It only had two bathrooms in it. We're getting rezoned. We're going to have to add more bathrooms into it. It, What's the sprinkler system looking like? Are we going to have to sprinkle other areas more than what they have been? Our incoming line of water, um, is that big enough to handle those upgrades that we need to do? Like Those are some of the things of what's it made for now? What's its current condition? What do we need it to be Um, that that really make a big difference? And we had a client, uh, Bill Mann, who was leasing a building with sprinklers, was asked to get a, he asked to get a pressure test and found out he would need a much, much bigger uh, water pipe coming in there to come up to code for the new zoning that he was going to have um and if if that hadn't been found out early while he was still working with the landlord that would have been 20 grand right there for him that he would have been you know having to pay out of pocket that was an unanticipated expense and so it's just trying to be really nitpicky about stuff and and poke at poke holes in it from every angle that you can so you can make sure that it's you know okay this is we we have a a much better assumed risk of what this actually is Um, And lastly, when we talk about the structural piece, you know, is it a big, nice open box with limited support columns? Is it a funky L shape or asymmetrical? Um, Do you have 20 feet clear in height, you know, from your HVAC and lighting fixtures and stuff down? If you don't, what's that going to do to limit the types of attractions that we can put in there? And is that okay for us? Um, You know, what's the flooring look like? Are you going to have to be doing a lot of refinishing? You know, is there a bunch of demo that has to happen with walls? What are our windows and natural sight lines? Roof condition is a huge one as well. Um, So it's just making sure that we're being really thoughtful about what it not just taking it at first blush of yep it's got HVAC and it's rated for this that's all that you should need it's mm, how was this person driving this car before I get it got into it and and when's the next oil change and have they have they been skipping appointments kind of a thing one of the important things when you're looking at an individual building is to also understand the history of the tenants who have been in there And I can't remember exactly who it was, but I know years ago we were talking to an operator who was looking at different locations and they came across one. They're like, wow, this is perfect. It's got the space that I need. It's open. The deal is insane. It is so much less expensive than any other thing that I've seen. And uh, someone had recommended find out who was there before you, the several tenants before, because that seems strange. It seems odd. It doesn't line up. Well, he did that, and he he got the history, and it turns out, well, there used to be a strip club in that building years ago. A little, little, different, uh, little different route that we may not want to be associated with. Exactly, and even though that strip club's not there, there's a psychological barrier that's going to happen with all of the people in your community that knew that used to be a strip club. And if you're going to be putting in a family entertainment, it's just not going to jive. And that is that is something that was discovered early in the process that saved potentially saved the business because had Mm -hmm. they opened there no one was going to want to go into that space because of what it used to be and the association that they have with it Mm -hmm. so when you start kind of getting into the details of of the landlord and you you hit on some of the examples of what you can talk about in the meps uh, mechanical electrical plumbing and structural but as you're going over the building itself and kind of in those negotiations 
the very first thing that's important is you should have your own real estate broker. Don't just use the broker that is uh, representing the, uh, the the owner of that building because they have the owner's best interest at heart, mm-hmm. not yours. And so having your own broker to bring to the table is super important. Have the right people. Um, make sure that the broker and the landlord get educated on your concept and you can sell the idea and the vision of what you're trying to do and kind of anticipate where their worries might be, right? If you have something that you want to add go-karts, their assumption may be, oh, I don't want you to add that because that's going to be really noisy and it's going to be super disruptive to um, neighboring tenants and all that stuff. But you can let them know, oh, no, actually, these are electric go-karts and they're not going to make that kind of noise or they're not going to have the fumes or they're not going to whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. anticipate what you feel may be sticking points and be able to address them early on to alleviate any of those fears that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to lease terms, you know, ask for a five-year contract with um, the option to do two more five-year options, right? So you get the, the shorter-term lease, but then you get kind of a long-term future if you want to stay in that location. gives you maximum um, uh, flexibility on that space. Um, you know, think about obtaining a broad exclusivity clause to prevent competitors from coming into that space, especially if this is going to be maybe in a, uh, a shopping center where you're going to take over what used to be a retail environment and the, that landlord runs the entire shopping center. You want to make sure that you've got the ability to protect yourself from competitors entering in that area that's going to make you struggle. Um, keep the, the scope of use as open as possible when it comes to your lease because you may have a vision for what that business is right now, the kinds of attractions that you're gonna have in that space when you open, but the family entertainment and location-based entertainment space is constantly evolving. Two, three, five, ten years from now, there may be things that you want to add in that are not covered into that scope of use. So trying to keep that broad to make sure you're not going to run into a sticking point with that landlord because there's something that you want to add is not necessarily covered. And so those are a couple of things to think through. And, you know, as we kind of take a step back and look at this, as Russ had mentioned at the beginning, we weren't going to deep dive any of these areas. You want to make sure you've got um, experts on your side, whether that is a, a consultant who's helping you do a feasibility study, your real estate broker, all of these people that are going to be in your corner to help you out. These are good pieces that are food for thought as you walk down this path and start looking at these different locations. And this is applicable whether you are opening your very first location-based entertainment venue or if you already operate one or more and you're opening an additional one, these are still applicable things to keep in mind as you walk down that path. So our goal with this was to to give you some good nuggets and and to give you a, a few steps to start that journey and things to look out for. And hopefully you're able to take some of that and, and be successful with it as you walk down this path. Big time. Sharing is caring. So, you know, it's it's don't make the same mistakes that others have made or at least try to minimize those those potential points of failure as much as you possibly can. So, um, Danny, I think that's an awesome place for us to wrap up on this one and um, and allow people to take that a little bit further. We've still got awesome content continuing to come your guys' way with our weekly episodes and be sure to come back again and check out additional episodes. Go back and watch some of the previous ones as well. And um, we'll continue to bring more and more tactical, strategical, philosophical things your way. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. And don't forget those five stars, please and thank you. 
If you've got ideas for future episodes, whether it's a topic or a guest, because we're going to start having guests very soon, follow us on social media, send us a DM. And as always, big shout out to Mikey Mike on the ones and twos running the ultra web for us. Appreciate you, good sir. And thank you all for joining us and we'll catch you on the next one, troublemakers. Let's do it. Unique New York. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. How now, brown cow? That taken out of context in the blooper is weird. Really weird. Don't piss off Mike. He's got stuff. Yeah, no, Mike's Mike's had plenty. Mike's had plenty of stuff that is the the outtakes and the gag reel is Mike's like doomsday device for if I ever get too sassy with him. Too sassafras. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you ready? I'm ready, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it.